Greetings one and greetings all. We are back and better than ever as we extend into the wonderful world of leadership through the Leadership Conversation. What is TLC? Well, I'm so glad you asked. It's the podcast series from the Center for Leadership and Character at William Woods University that aims to answer the critical ethical questions facing leadership that our world needs us to answer most. I am Tony Ananaro, Executive Director for the Center for Leadership and Character and Chief Advancement Officer at this fine institution. And I get the privilege of being your host on this dynamic deluge of dialogue. As always, I am joined today by my trusty graduate assistants, Kayla Daniels. Hey, everyone. Allie Mahoney. Hello. And Cassidy Phillips. Hello. Also today, we are joined by our Director of Positivity. And so if you hear a bark in the background, it is because Ramona is in the house. So now that we have a perspective for our pathway to promise that will ultimately inform the leadership journey for our listeners, let's go to work. Today, we are doing things a little bit differently. While you have heard the haze, the highs, and the hellos, today we are going to dig deep into the perspectives of our graduate assistants as a wrap-up for the first season of TLC. So to give you a little context for our conversation, Kayla Daniels is wrapping up her MBA and her second year serving as the GA for the Center for Leadership and Character. She's a mainstay of the Black Student Union on campus and our competitive cheer team. Allie Mahoney has one semester left of her MBA program, providing leadership on the diamond as the starting catcher of our softball team. And she's entering the second year as the graduate assistant for the university advancement team. And finally, Cassidy is graduating with her MBA this month and was named all-conference first team as an outside hitter for our Woods Volleyball program and has served as the GA for our grant-funded program, Project Clear, which is a collaborative effort with the Missouri Department of Higher Education and Workforce Development. And CLEAR stands for Creating Leadership and Entrepreneurship Action and Response. All right, crew, welcome to TLC. I'm so psyched because as we wrap up this first season of TLC, it is going to be awesome to reflect with all of you. So, crew, as we jump into this conversation, I'm... I'm struck with some of the awesomeness that we've had this this time around. So we started with the foundation that led right into episode two, which was community featuring the dynamic Steve Cooper. He was talking about social connection and the critical social work that's being done out there in our communities. Um, we also then talked with um, Kate, Dr. Katie Friesen from a connection perspective about what she's doing as the director of first year experience to create those critical connections that lead to retention, but also lead to reduced emotional wellness challenges and opportunities for people to be successful. Then we parlayed into alignment with Dr. Clinton Ramirez-Stevens. He was talking about the brand new PhD in ethical leadership program. He was talking about how that program creates a different approach to how we look at leadership learning and how that can be incredibly powerful for our world. Then we shifted over from a commitment perspective to Nina McKee, instructor of cybersecurity here at the Woods, talked about all kinds of wonderful things that scared us from a cyber perspective, and at the same time created a foundation for us to do the critical things that we need to do with respect to cyber. And then also authenticity, we talked with Dr. Miriam O'Callaghan. She talked about how as the new dean of the School of Business and Technology, she did all these wonderful things to really listen to so she could learn from and then walk with the critical people um, within her team. And then just last time, we had talked to Ted Blaschik, our um, chief student experience officer at the Woods, about how he's establishing through all of his wonderful pieces and parts at the university, a community of care. And so 
as we think about all these things, thank you, Ramona, for that. As we think about all these critical things, I'm wondering, crew, what do you think? What has been your highlights of this first season? I personally just love all the like different perspectives that we've gotten, you know, like I feel like every single person had their is like their own individual and just brought a unique perspective. Yeah. So that's what I really liked about this this semester. That's awesome. Thanks, Ellie. And there's been times like we've had these professors as like we've been students to these professors where we really never got to experience their reason or viewpoint of why they're teaching their course the way they are until like this podcast we got the um, actual deep meaning of why they teach the way they do and the reasoning behind that i love that deep meaning piece thanks cassidy yeah and i think i just really um admired their passion for what they do i felt like that was um, expressed very well in their episodes um i feel like passion is just something that you don't see super often so um, just seeing that what drives and motivates them to do what they do and how they love um, inspiring their students. I really, really enjoyed that. That's, that's awesome, Kaylee. You know, I think that leads us into a really good question. While we listen to the perspectives of the people who are on this podcast, and there's a lot of P's in that sentence, um, I, I, I'm struck with the wisdom that they provide and the context they provide for the critical challenges that we face. But you have this really wonderful perspective of the world that hasn't been biased by the years and years and years and decades of experience in higher education and other spaces like me. And so I'm wondering from that fresh perspective, what do you think are the biggest challenges that we face as all of you leaders going out into the world and doing the real critical work of leadership? I think the biggest challenge is understanding the change in leadership over the years. Like some people, as they would say, it would be old style and then versus modern style. Being able to collaborate both styles together and accept those styles, I think it's the hardest part. Huh. I love that. I agree. We're coming back to that one. Kayla, what do you to, think? To piggyback off of that, I think like connecting um, with different generations is a little harder than um, it used to be. So I know like for now... Um, I've seen a lot of teachers, like grade school teachers, saying how they struggle with connect connecting with Generation Alpha. Um, and those are the um, kids right now who are in elementary school and middle school. Um, and I just think it's because we are in new generations where technology runs everything. Um, and it's different than what anybody else has ever grown up with. Whenever I was growing up, technology was just sort of first coming out, like the first iPhone didn't come out until I was about in sixth grade or middle school. So just like seeing all of that stuff and um, the change with the new generation versus yes. the older generations and seeing them trying to sort of make a connection with each other has been like, it's, it looks like a challenge to me. I love it. I would agree with that. Like, I think the ability to adapt is such a huge, like characteristic that you need to have in yourself. Like, things are constantly changing and if you can't adapt then like you're gonna be behind so I think that's really important yeah I am um, I remember gosh I can't remember what professor it was back in my years of education but you know he, he often would say you know we need to adapt or we're going to die um, that is the the only thing and I think you know Adam Grant in his book Hidden Potential talked about that a little bit you know the the societies that perform 
most effectively and in turn create sustainability in inevitably are the ones aren't the strongest they're not the smartest they're the ones that can adapt most so ellie i think you're right on from that you know as as i'm sitting here and i'm thinking about this um the challenges oftentimes are linked to what comes before we get to higher education i'm reading this book right now called never enough by jennifer Brini. Um, Wallace and and what she writes in the book is these these heart-wrenching stories about how in an effort to validate their own worth as parents they put uh, parents oftentimes put a tremendous amount of pressure on their children which leads to this if you're not successful by achieving all these significant things your value is reduced and that's the antithesis. That's the opposite of what leadership should be about. And so as we prepare to shape the generation that's coming in with all these added pressures and stuff like that, what do you guys think we can do to make these folks feel valued and unique and that they belong and they have value inherently because of who they are as people, not what they do as professionals? So I've actually just finished reading this book where it sort of talks about um, all of the things that are placed on us from young children, like all these expectations, sort of similar to what you're saying, how um, your value is placed on you if you make good grades, if you are successful in this career, and all of that. And the book is called The Four Agreements, by the way. And it's sort yeah, of... Yeah, Ruiz. I don't know. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Probably. Yes. I don't know how to pronounce name, <laughs> but yes, I just finished it. And um, pretty much it was saying how your value is determined by yourself. So it's not what anyone else views your value should be. It's not what you think society, your value should be. It's, it's all based on your perception of yourself and how you value yourself. So... Um, one of the four agreements was always do your best. So no matter what, like even if you are having the worst day on the planet, always do your best. And your best isn't to go above and beyond. It's not to do what you think other people want you to do as your best. It's your personal best. So if your best for that day is just getting up and brushing your teeth, that's your best. And be proud of doing your best. And don't ever try to like, overcompensate because all that does is wear you out it burns you out um and I thought that that was like very good and insightful because a lot of the stuff that I do I do because oh it's expected of me to do this for someone else like they want me to do this it's not because mm. I want to do it um and I think that is what will keep like people's motivation and their morale up from doing what they want to do um yeah that external validation is tough Ellie what were you gonna say I was going to say, I think it's important, like, kind of what you were saying, Kayla, like, even if your best is just, like, you know, just getting up, like, as long as you're just taking at least one small step every day, like, that's good. Like, just keep going. Yeah. You know, it's um, it's it's interesting. So, Kayla, you bring up Ruiz's four agreements, and those agreements are be impeccable with your word, don't take anything personally, don't make assumptions, and as you said, always do your best. And it's easier said than done, right? Yes. Because we all seek that external validation to some degree. And, and I think that 
we've been conditioned to seek the accolades, the rewards, the the medals, the celebrations that come with our accomplishments on the field or in the classroom or wherever it might be. And so what what advice would you give to students out there who are thinking through how do I have value within this space? Because I'm desperate, and I know all of you are desperate, for them to understand that they do have value because of who they are. Yeah, I would just say, like, stay confident in yourself, like, no matter what. Like, it doesn't matter what awards you're getting or, like, if people are, like you said, validating you or it doesn't matter. Like, as long as you remain confident in yourself and in your ability, like, that's all you need. Yeah. I also, um, with that, being um, authentic, so not changing who you are to fit into a certain group or to conform to, you know, the standards around you. I think being authentic comes off as, um, you know, being super genuine around everyone else. And people can tell if you're authentic or if you're inauthentic. So I just think it's super important to stay true to yourself. I like that. It's um, going off both of them. The staying true to yourself will actually help you not be get burned out with what you're doing, and you'll find joy in it rather than it being a task that you're doing every single day just to meet expectations. And from like an external judgment viewpoint, really those external viewpoints that you're thinking you're being judged on, that's all your brain. Like you aren't necessarily being judged by that. So like one of my favorite quotes that I really like to refer to when it comes to leadership, uh, when people think, oh, I can't do it. The word impossible literally spells I'm possible. Mm. That is my biggest motivator when there's a challenge coming up that anything's possible as long as you're determined to do it and you wanna do it and you're positive. And from a leadership aspect, leaders have followers. So if people see what your intentions are and deep down they know they're good, they're gonna follow and then it's just going to build, build, and build, and come. So just do what you want to do. Listen to your positive side of your gut and just do your own leadership. Yeah, and, and I think, so I feel like a lot of times I see undergraduate students living in a perpetual state of stress. And it, it breaks my heart because I think that we can learn a lot from the psychology of this whole thing. And when people are in a, a perceived state of stress or a perceived state of threat, their cortisol levels, their stress, you know, hormone are through the roof all the time. Our bodies physiologically are not designed to maintain that level of cortisol production. So it starts to have, you know, negative impacts on our, our weight, our, you know, our heart, our health, uh, you know, everything that we do, the, our ability to sleep. And so there can be profound impacts on the longevity of our life just because we perceive something as a threat. And so as, as I think about our students, I say, is it, is it really a threat that you have a bunch of different assignments due this week? Because you're the way your mind is reacting to it, you're perceiving it the same way as if you're driving a car across ice and your car starts to slide. That's an actual threat. The perceived threat is that I have to do X paper and study for Y test and I have this practice. Those are just perceived threats. 
And so let's take a step back, deep breath, and say, is this really a threat to who I am? Or could this be an opportunity to engage in a meaningful way with the players that I love on my team and the university that I get the opportunity to go to considering that there are people all over the world who don't have the opportunity to go to higher education. And so that perceived threat versus actual threat, I think, is probably something to consider. Um, you know, one of the things that the three of you and, and I have had conversations about before is that um, I wish that our students could realize that sometimes when they have an external threat, that's not about them. It's about the person that they're interacting with at the given moment. And so I'm wondering what strategies the three of you have that help can help students take a step back and understand the conflict in this situation is probably not really about me. It's probably about the person I'm having a conflict about. And so what strategies would you have that help them to understand that they're whole, they're a good person, and it might be about the other person, not about them? My advice would be don't take things personal. Usually if you're connecting with someone, it's for work or sport. So you just have positions that they're trying to do. So don't take what's taking it personal. From my personal situations, being a student athlete, there's been times I would approach my coach and I would get negative stuff. And that's, I'll be frustrated at the moment, but then I'll learn that there was other stuff going on that I was not involved. It just happened. I hit my coach in a bad moment. And mm. you just have to think about yourself. There are times you think about it, that you're also rude to other people. And if they ask, why are you being rude to me? You'll be honest. Like, I don't know. Because it's other things that build up. It's not them. I would say, like, going off of that, like, yeah, I agree. Like, you can't take things personally. And also, like, having the ability to, like, depart compartmentalize like if somebody says something to you like that you didn't want to hear and then you keep letting it affect like the rest of your day like that's not going to be good so like you have to be able to like put that aside and be like okay maybe they were just having a bad day like they didn't mean it like that and just you know put it aside and don't let it affect the rest of your day and the, the way you treat people mm. yeah and I think um for me I personally view everything as an outward expression of myself. So if I have a bad interaction with someone, I take a step back and look inward and think, okay, um, what were my intentions going into this conversation? Mm. Am I having a good, a good day? You know, because um, someone might, you know, yell at me or make me feel bad, and then I'm like, well, how was I expecting this to go? Was I sort of expecting yes. this person to come in and be a little hostile towards me or was I hostile towards them and I didn't even realize? Um, so I always try to look at myself and not so much blame them because I am the only person who's responsible for my reactions to things. Um, and also I'm the only one who can take things personally. So I choose not to take things personally at all because you know, I never know what people are going through. They don't know what I'm going through. Um, if I have a negative interaction with someone or if I feel like um, someone doesn't like me, deep down, I probably don't like them. And that's probably <laughs> where that sort of feeling is coming from. So that's something that I need to personally address and that I need to fix. 
Ah, okay, so real quick, just to recap, because there were three really powerful statements there. Um, the questions that you are asking yourselves, I think, are critical for everybody out there to ask. So first of all, to go in reverse order, Kayla, you talked about what are my intentions and objectives with respect to this interaction? What We need to interrogate what our intentions are. And if we don't set a manageable expectation, then we are doomed to fail to meet our expectations, which create expectation violation and all these other psychological things that further pushes us down the stress corridor where cortisol lives. And so we, we do not want to do that. And so, Kayla, you nailed it with that one. Um, Allie, you talked about compartmentalizing things. Oh, my gosh. If we could just ask ourselves, is everything really everything? Literally every single thing that we do, we have the opportunity to look at it for what it is with actual perspective taking and really be reflective if this is the worst thing in the world. Or we can push it into everything else and it becomes this giant mountain and quagmire of just And at the end of the day, that doesn't do anything good for us because everything is not everything. And then, Cassie, when you started talking, to ask the question, what else might be happening? That's so important. Um, I always ask the question when I find conflict, what might this person be losing? Because maybe it's control. Maybe it's a place at the table. I don't know what that particular thing is. But if I ask that question, it normally helps me to create a foundation for who they are within that given situation. And it normally softens whatever the interaction is. Gosh, that's so great. So I'm going to transition a bit from what we can share with our students to what the three of you would want to share with our faculty and our staff who have an opportunity, and I use that term very intentionally, an opportunity to work with our dynamic students every single day. What would you say to them that could encourage them to create this environment that is supportive of them maximizing their full potential and understanding their inherent value to the world? I think just forming personal relationships with their students. I mean, Woods is a small campus, so that is possible with professors, but from when I was an undergrad student, that's what benefited me the most was being able to form those personal connections with professors, being able to go to them about things outside the classroom and get advice. I mean, they've helped me excel my career path a lot. Mm, I love that. Personal relationships. I 100% agree with that. Like the personal relationships I've formed here with the faculty are like amazing and like have changed my life completely. And that was one of like the big things that pushed me to come here is because the classes were going to be smaller and I would have that opportunity. Like looking back, like I always wanted to go to the University of Missouri growing Mm, up. Like I was a huge, huge Mizzou fan. Um, and I, I thought I was going to go there until, you know, about my senior year of high school, but I'm so glad I picked here because at Mizzou, they're just big giant lecture halls. And like, Mm. you're a number, you're a number on a piece Mm -hmm. of paper here. Like you're a person, you have a name, you get to make that connection with the professor. So keep doing that. Yeah. And we don't want to throw the entire university of Missouri under the bus, but, but what we do want to do is say, there's an opportunity for our faculty and staff to make a personalized connection. 
And if they view it as such and they say if that's a top priority, inevitably they are starting off on the right foot. Kayla, what do you think? So I think the big the biggest thing is students know when professors are here for a paycheck versus them being passionate about what they are teaching. So for example, um, I did this thing called Freshman Advantage. I don't think we have it anymore. Mm-mm. Um, but I came before my freshman year, I came to the campus for three weeks, took classes and I had to take a math class. If anyone knows me, they know that I absolutely hate math. Math is not something that I'm good at. Like I will stand on the sidelines at a basketball game. My friends are like, what's the difference of the score? And I'm like, I have no idea. Okay. Listen, math is not my strong suit. (laughs) However, I had Dr. Hewn for three weeks and he made me love math. Like I genuinely enjoyed going to his classes. Even like whenever people ask me who my favorite professor is, to this day it is Dr. Hewn and I had him for three weeks. Um, and every time I see him on campus, like he has so much joy and passion. And you, you can tell that he really, really enjoys being in um, education. And even with professors that I haven't had, um, like uh, Roman Sivkov, he's a finance professor here in the business department. And I'm taking a finance class online. Once again, I don't know anything about math. I don't know anything <laughs> about finance. So I'll go to his office hours. And he like loves teaching me this and um, showing me how all of this works. And like I can just truly tell that he, they are here for their students. And that is so powerful. Like. There, there aren't teachers that, not every teacher I can do this to. Like, I can't go to every professor and ask them for help because I just don't feel like that relationship or that connection is there. But even professors who I have never had in class, I see how they are with their other students, mm-hmm. and I feel comfortable enough to go and ask them for help. And I think that is very powerful. You know, and, and, and those are the stories that, that hopefully will – keep our faculty engaged, will help us to understand how we create a trajectory for the woods to be successful in the future through our, our new faculty hires. We promote you know, this, this person who wants to create an environment where it can be truly authentic and there can be, you know, as, as Paulo Freire talked about, um, praxis, true reciprocity in the environment. Because I, I know when I walk into the classroom, I want to know what the students know. Because I can learn from them, hopefully, as much as they're learning from me. I just think that's such a, a powerful piece. You know, yesterday I was having a conversation with one of the coaches on our campus, and he shared his ideas of creating fingerprints versus footprints. Um, footprints is where you, you step in the sand, you create this deep mold, and, you know, something someone has profoundly changed. And I think a lot of times we're trying to create footprints for our world. And while that's all well and good, and we should probably push for the purpose behind those footprints, we have to remember that the fingerprints, the subtle interactions, the everyday conversations, the things that we say have this incredible opportunity to leave a lasting reminder that we weren't just there, but that we created some value for that person or that student in the moment. Um, And when he shared that, he shared that, you know, years upon years later, um, one of his former students, student athletes contacted him and said, um, you know, I just want to let you know that what you shared with me in this moment got me through rehab. And it was a really, really hard time for me. And I'm in a much better place now. And he said it brought him to tears because inevitably it was, you know, something he didn't even remember doing. 
But because he started every day with the idea of fingerprints, how will I create an opportunity to leave someone subtly better than they were when they first walked in the room? Created the opportunity for that student to get through, student athlete to get through some really, really difficult times later on after graduation. Um, it wouldn't be TLC if we didn't do the lightning round. So, <laughs> crew, I want to transition to that right now. And obviously, the following questions stem from the questionnaire concept originated by French television personality Bernard Pivot on his show Apostrophes after the Prost questionnaire originated by Dr. Marcel Prost and then popularized by James Lipton on Inside the Actors Studio. So, crew, we are going to go Kayla, Cassidy, and Allie because can't, our listeners can't see what's happening here. And so, crew, if we are ready in that order, are you ready for the lightning round? Oh, <laughs> Yeah. So ready. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's, it's go time. It's go time. <laughs> Sorry, Kayla, you're first. Okay, Kayla, what is your favorite word? Um, <laughs> I've literally thought about this every time we've done this, <laughs> and now I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, 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 what is my Let's favorite Let's be lightning. Word? I know. Let's I know. Let's be lightning. I love um, Friendship. Friendship. <laughs> Love it. Cassie, what's your favorite word? Volleyball. <laughs> nice. Ellie. Can. Oh, so good. Okay, we're going in reverse order this time. All right, Ellie, what is your least favorite word? Can't. Cassidy. That was mine, so cannot. <laughs> <laughs> Love um, it. Kayla. Listen, guys. <laughs> You know, you say you like do the first word that pops in your head. My my brain is blank. There's oh, nothing no. in my head. That's okay. Um, I would say. Um, <laughs> I have the word, but I don't know how to say it. Um, uh, 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 unavailable. We'll say that. Unavailable. Okay, <laughs> Kayla, what gets you excited? Um. Slushies. Slushies. <laughs> Perfect. Cassidy, what gets you excited? Athletic competitions. Nice. Allie? Softball. Softball. Allie, back to you. What turns you off? People ignoring me. Mm, Cassidy? Laziness. Nice. Kayla? Uh, people who are nonchalant. Ooh. Okay. Kayla, what sound or noise do you love? The rain on... Um, you know those like roofs, tin, tin roof? roofs. Oh yeah, ah, that. yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, Cassidy. Country music. Ooh, Ellie. Uh, the cheers from fans, like either in a basketball gym or outside anywhere. I yeah. love it. I You're love welcome. it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> As Kayla Snow said, as a cheerleader in the room. <laughs> awesome, Ellie. What sound or noise do you hate? Styrofoam rubbing together. Oh gosh, Cassidy. Little children whining. <gasps> That's a good one. I can't say that one, uh, but I agree. Um, for me, yeah. when my cat starts ripping up plastic or Ugh. cardboard or paper, I cannot stand. Oh, my gosh. Kayla, what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? A pilot. Ooh. I want to be a pilot so bad. Cassidy. <laughs> I would probably say a federal agent. Ooh, a federal agent. Nice. Ellie? Professional athlete. Professional athlete. I love it. 
Ellie, what profession would you absolutely not want to do? Lawyer. Mm. Cassidy? Teaching. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Surgeon. Surgeon. Okay. And, crew, this is your big moment to give advice. As students, faculty, and staff at William Woods University and well beyond listen to this podcast, what advice would you provide to those listeners as they embark upon their own leadership journey? Kayla, what do you think? Um, sort of similar like what I said earlier, just be you, be authentic. Um, that goes a long way. And... Yeah, just be your true self. There's no reason to hide or lie or try to conform to anyone. Just be you. I like it. Cassidy? Kind of going off the same thing. Um, be you. The right people will come around, so don't change who you want to be. And kind of like I said earlier, the word impossible says I'm possible. So anything you can do, set your mind to it. Love it. Allie? Just keep going. Never give up, even if it's just one little step at a time. Like, always make a little progress every day. Mm. Just keep going. I love it. You know, crew, it has been an absolute pleasure to sit here and wrap with you. I think there's tremendous depth of perspective, but also tremendous wisdom in what you share. And so thank you, thank you, thank you so much to all three of you for being here. Are we going to cry now? You don't have. You don't have to cry. You don't have to cry. You can we, cry if you we want. can cry. It's it's not the end of our journey. Our journey continues. All right. Okay, crew. Well, from us here at the Leadership Conversation, that's a wrap. Another episode in the books. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode featuring our dynamic graduate assistants, Kayla, Allie, and Cassidy. We want to thank them for their time, perspectives, and leadership. As we close, it's apropos to note that leadership is about understanding the tremendous value that you can and will create for our world. Kayla, Ellie, and Cassidy live this every single day as they strive to be the best leader that without question our world needs them to be. We want to thank Kayla, Ellie, and Cassidy for that and thank them for being here. We hope that you've enjoyed this installment of the Leadership Conversation as we wrap up Season 1. We hope that you'll join us again next time for even more conversation on the TLC. This is Tony Internero signing off and reminding you that our world is a pretty crazy place that is in desperate need of real leadership. However, our opportunity to lead is predicated on our desire to act, and that starts with you. Thanks so much for listening. Take care out there, and have a great day.